You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the We Are Libertarians daily podcast. I'm Hody Johns. I am your host, and I'm joined by a new voice to you, not a new voice to me. It is Zach Rip. Zach, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful, Hody. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing great, man. It's finally good to uh, record one of these shows with you. I know we've been talking about it for a bit. Zach is actually a member of our research team. Uh, and uh, so he and I have done a lot of working together, but we're finally uh, bringing our talents from the script to the audio version. So uh, I hope you're as excited as I am, Zach. Oh, absolutely. I've been looking forward to it. Cool. Um, so we have decided uh, to talk about automation uh today and automation means different things different people and different levels of fear and excitement in different lines of work um zach i mean you're the one who chose it why why did you want to talk about automation so i wanted to talk about automation because when you are around in the workforce you hear a lot of people especially in my line of work talk about how oh jobs are going to disappear due to automation and i think first what we need to do is define automation so we've had industry automated since, well, since the Ford company factories, but more so since the 80s. And that was when a lot of the automobile manufacturers wanted to do what's called lights out manufacturing, where basically they work the machines all night. And instead of having to pay a shift worker, shift differential to manually put together a car, you can have a machine do it and have less people there. And as long as that machine is cheaper than paying someone's salary, then it works out, right? So a lot of stuff is automated. And in general, automation has, I think, kind of done a net positive. Um, And by that, I mean, people say automation is taking away jobs. Well, it's, yes, workers have been displaced. That has happened. You see that in the steel industry. But... More so, it's kind of like, uh, how do I put it in an easy way? Um, it's made the slice of the job pie bigger. Um, so what we're more, I think, going to wrap into in this episode is the technology in general displacing workers. Yeah. So, I mean, let's 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 keep it general for now. Yeah, of course. Specific. Uh, like just looking at the history, when you talk about automation, I mean, this is something that you think about technology. Now, it's technically not automated because it's not like a robot and there's still like a human controlling it. But essentially, mm-hmm, like exactly. as far as like reducing numbers of workers and having devices do more work, I mean, you learn about leverage and how the, I mean, ancient Egyptians started studying these things. I mean, th- this is nothing new. These technologies of saying, oh, we found something that does the job of five workers and then it, it helps us build something is really nothing new. Now we are entering an age where we're actually saying we're having a robot program to receive these and create these. And I mean, we're starting to get automated cars, uh, driving, but this Mm -hmm. is, this is something that we've done throughout history. It's really just, uh, you know, automation is just like the next stage of technology really. And it's really not anything that our economies haven't dealt with before throughout history no. it's nothing nothing new and by and large every time there's a series of automation while people fear unemployment that comes with it it usually actually creates more um more 
work because you say, you know, you've got all these displaced workers, but they're able to do something else or usually or yep. even have something to do with what is created. So, for example, um, in American history, we had the cotton gin. Uh, Eli Whitney invented the cotton gin and we had something that made it so that we didn't have to toil in the fields as long. It gathers up your cotton and it actually sorts out the seeds within the cotton for you as opposed to have a per- having a person manually do that. And it's displaced a lot of workers. But it actually freed people up to do more things with the volume of cotton. So we actually created jobs even though we eliminated jobs in the field. We created jobs in the textile and clothing industry. And so that actually created jobs, even though it eliminated some jobs, it just created it in a different sector. And most of the time, that's the way automation works. I mean, did you have any other examples that you can think of or or something else to to add to that? Uh, Yeah, sure. So I was listening to a TED Talk, actually. I I cannot remember for the life of me who it was. It was a long time ago, but... The speaker was referring to how ATMs, the automatic teller machine, the whole point of those was to replace bank tellers. And we still have bank tellers, right? Uh, yeah. Yep. I actually was one for a while, for a long time. Oh, while. nice. That's how I got through college. <laughs> the Wells Fargo? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, thankfully, well, I guess it doesn't matter anymore. I don't work there anymore, but no, it was not. <laughs> okay. Well, so because there's a lot of things especially with auto, like dumb robots, like bank tellers or a factory machine, these systems are still dependent on human intervention at work. So now you have a guy that goes around and loads the bank, the bank teller machine or whatever, and or ATM, sorry. And on top of that, especially in the banking industry, which is heavily related to customer service, sometimes people don't want to just go to the ATM. There's business that needs to be handled that requires a human touch. So when... ATMs were first coming out and people were predicting that, oh, all the teller jobs are going to go away. They didn't. In fact, they grew. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Another, that's another great example. Again, this is just, you, we can come up with tons. I mean, I was looking at Wikipedia and I'm like, I don't even know where to start, but I ma- imagine most of our listeners can even think of something in their lifetime that has become automated, but the world, mm-hmm. the world keeps on turning. So, yes. so we're we're doing okay as far as automation goes. Now, I don't want to dismiss all the fears. In sac- in fact, some of the fears are actually pretty rational, very uh, rational for automation because there are certain things that we can maybe say won't actually create necessarily a new line of work entirely. One of those is like with trucking and driving. Um, because you don't necessarily, unlike cotton, which say, oh, we have more cotton now as a result of this, and that's more something to do with it. You've literally just replaced a human and you haven't actually, like the job is still exactly the same and you're not getting more output. You've just replaced the person with like a robot or with a, you know, with, with, with a driving. (laughs) And so that that is a real fear and w- one of the problems and this is something that i've talked about in other episodes and i'm sorry if you think economics is boring but flat out this is one of the problems that we have with a wage system um because we used to be on a system where you were paid based on what you produced now in that type of system if we do that then when we create new technology like this it actually just decreases the workload for everybody. You don't have to, because current, because it's not based on currency, it's based on GDP. So if you create more stuff, 
well, that makes you, and you have access to that stuff at a cheaper cost, then you don't have to work as hard. It just replaces X amount of hours that you would have had to work in your life and you now work that much less. But now because we're on an hourly system, right? We have these minimum wage laws. We have these, these, um, I mean, really the wage system in general, as opposed to being based on, on stuff is based on your hourly work. And so if we're cutting back on your hours, you're not going to make as much money. And so we've designed this economic system. This is a post Keynesian economic model. Right. So Keynesianism comes into place in the 1900s and we did, we designed this national income identity equation. It's the same income identity that all the rest of the major countries in the world adopted, but there's a significant problem with it. And that's that GDP equals our total spending. And what we spend does not necessarily mean that we have GDP. Now, when you hear GDP, that just means stuff. All right. Don't, don't, don't overcomplicate your brain. It means stuff and services. So, like, w- that's the actual value of our country. Now, the problem is, is that this system would suffer with automation because we'd be spending less. And so, therefore, our overall GDP would go down, which means the currency in the system would go down, which means our economy as a whole actually would suffer with just a I guess we'll call it a net zero automation. We just replace a human with a robot, like in the case of drivers. It doesn't have to be that way, but that's the way we've got right now. And so we do need to take a look at these type of economic systems and say, well, that's one of the problems with the post-Keynesian model. Um, And it's actually not as hard to change as you think. When we talk about national income identity, identity is a lot like gender identity in the sense that you get to self-identify a country gets to choose how its own currency is valued now if you choose a bad equation then people aren't going to use your currency right it's not going to be worth as much and so we have to choose an equation that has some sort of checks and balances within it otherwise it falls apart you know so we can actually upgrade this equation we're not talking we can and it doesn't have to be the old equation we can make it progressive but we can progress to an equation that says hey this is based on our amount of stuff and that amount of stuff's not based on what we spend on it it's just based on stuff we could develop that equation we haven't and so unfortunately automation actually does hurt some people do you have any of the i talked a lot there but do you have any of those same fears or anything that you wanted to to input on that sure so when we're talking about technology displacing people um or automation there tends to be three perspectives kind of floating around there's the optimistic one that it's going to liberate people from dangerous monotonous work and free them up to be able to do other things or maybe more high skill labor. There's the pessimistic one, which means that, you know, society's going to collapse and no one's going to have a job and everyone's going to starve to death while the rich get richer, blah, blah, blah. And then you have kind of the middle of the road, more Occam's razor where it's going to happen. It's inevitable. As long as humans are around, we're going to continue to innovate. We have since the end of time or sorry, beginning of time, but we need to be prepared and we need to have, it's going to, we need to have our society prepared to face these changes. And we talk about like how robots and automation, how those replace people, free them up to do other things. Right. Yeah. But what happens when, and this is where I'm going to get into AI and machine learning. What happens when, 
a robot can is intelligent and can learn and doesn't need to be programmed. And that's, I mean, and we are talking maybe a little bit futuristic, but yeah, I mean, that's that's another thing to think of as well. If you're thinking that you're in a line of work that can't be automated, just remember that that's how people felt a hundred years ago when you know when when, the, when these assembly lines started coming along, and the and right. these more industrialization started coming, like they oh, there's no way I'm going to get replaced, and there's no way this is going to happen. There already were. I mean, we've already got robots that are making music. You know, which is something that you wouldn't consider an AI. To, you know that 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 borders on a AI because it's it's taking something that's not just one plus one equals two. You know, it's adding a lot of other values. Yeah, there. absolutely. Um, they have robots, or sorry, AIs. I don't know if that's the correct term, but um, that are able to diagnose and prescribe medicine, like diagnose illness and prescribe medicine. It doesn't, same with lawyers. They have AIs that they're programming or creating to take out the redundant monotonous tasks that lawyers spend most of their time doing, like all the law research and whatnot. And it, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be better than a human. That's it. And cheaper. Right. And, and the idea that, I think a lot of it say, well, you know, some people want just want that friendly face. You know, that's what, at least when I was growing up, that's what we always told ourselves how we weren't going to get automated. Because as a server at a restaurant or at a teller at a bank, we always said, well, you know, yeah, everything could be done through an ATM, but people just want a friendly face. Well, slowly but surely, these, 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 uh, Autobots are starting to get friendly faces. <laughs> and, it's becoming difficult to compete with them so much. And so on top of the economic changes that we need to, to have, we also need some cultural and societal changes as well as some psychological changes to think of, okay, if this is what our society is going to look like, because frankly, this is what our society is going to look like. You can illegalize it as much as you want, but as soon as another country chooses to legalize it, they have a significant advantage over you. So, it, unfortunately, because, well, I say unfortunate, I look forward to automation. I guess you can throw me in one of the, the optimistic categories. But when another country starts to progress in that direction, then you just hold yourself back if you don't. And most of the time, countries usually unilaterally, unilaterally say, well, if one of us is going to do it, we're all going to do it. Because I, we don't want to suffer because all you guys are getting ahead because we're taking some moral ground of, you know, keeping people working at a less efficient rate, which I would say is not really moral, but I guess there's some, if you cling to your old economic truths, then I guess that's what you're going to do. Uh, Ludites. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ludites. Right. <laughs> Don't um, be a Ludite. <laughs> yeah. Do, you know what? Do you want to talk about the Ludites? Cause actually that's, that's, uh, that is something that I think might be a new term to a lot of people listening to the show. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, as far as I know, they were text, they worked in textile factories, correct? Or, and then they were getting displaced by machines in the 19th century, I think. Uh huh. I know, I know a little yeah. bit about them. I have kind of like a passing, like knowledge of Ludites, but I know what it means. Right. I mean, and this is. This is during the Industrial Revolution. You right, know, and, right. And they, a lot of them got replaced with, you know, a lot of travel got replaced with the steam engine and a lot of the, you know, the, the you know, we started replacing our old spindles with, you know, stuff that could learn to create clothing all by itself. Um, 
But again, like if we look at history from this, a lot like the Industrial Revolution was, I mean, you want to talk about a net positive. It is hard to, to mention a lot of negatives about the Industrial Revolution unless you were one of the countries that was slow to to get on the industrial revolution but it really ended up being a good thing even for the people whose jobs were displaced because they ended up going into jobs that were less i mean we're talking you know uh, oftentimes with automation you're talking about dangerous work that gets replaced first you're talking about yep. backbreaking work you're talking about work that actually hurts you that that mm-hmm. places you in danger and really low wage work you know and it frees you up to kind of do to to place yourself into a position where you're not risking life and limb every day, you know, um, something that gets aut- automated more and more. Uh, people might be surprised to hear this because of um, automation and better fuel gathering technologies, as well as the like fracking and shale um, and other oil gathering techniques. The United States actually in this past year became a net oil exporter as opposed to importer. We actually send out more oil than we take in, which is mind-blowing for me to live in a, a time where that's going on. But it it's in large part due to the automation because we don't have have to have people making, you know, and, and as perfect as you try to be, we don't have to have, you know, people in, in mines all the time and, and do this whole gathering. You know, we have some automated systems and, you know, we keep perfecting it. And so it, it does decrease the amount of jobs, but it's usually these dangerous jobs that we kind of have to have somebody for that could, and we freed them up to do other things. In fact, you've seen the em- employment rate, what let's say the unemployment rate decrease, even though we've been replacing these workers, because especially with fuel, we, that makes a million more other jobs available. Because fuel is kind of what makes our economy go, you know. So, so that that's been one of the one of the things that helps out. Um, to get into the psychology of it a little bit, uh, you know, when we're going through this automation, uh, I was reading. So, one of the books that we're reading for the the book club right now. By the way, there's a We Are Libertarians book club. We're over on uh, Goodreads. If you want to join us, just search for the We Are Libertarians book club, and and you'll find us. Uh, but we're reading them right now. And one of the things that he talks about is the fe- this fear of the future and the fear of automation. And uh, what if instead of like, you know, right now we know it is the industrial revolution, but we always tend to name this next stage as something really scary. Like, and with the example he gives, and I really like it is what if we had called it the, the post agricultural revolution you know just give it this really scary like oh life after farming life you know because it freaks people out now we know that looking back at it life after i guess hard work farming is not so bad but it it if when you're in the middle of it it freaks you out i don't have a lot of comfort to offer somebody who's driving a truck right now other than most of the time it's worked out in the past and hopefully we do make some changes into our economy but it tends to work out for the best. Can I make a promise on that? No, but history tells us that. And so that's kind of like the optimism that I hope people feel when they look at it. Yeah. So I don't want to be negative here because uh, I think it is important to look at the past, but I think using the past to predict the future may in the, in terms of technology may not be the the best idea. And that's because technology doesn't, like increase in a linear fashion. It increases exponentially. And by that, I mean, 
people, we don't want to underestimate the power of it and the power of machine learning and AI and its ability to replace pretty much anything in almost any sector. We want to approach this with cautious optimism. And that's kind of my whole standpoint on it is cautiously optimistic because like you said, it does work out in the past. There are things we can do. Um, we need to, one thing I think as a society, we need to get out of the mindset of this is my job and this is what I'm going to do forever because you may not. And especially with the rise of technology and you need to constantly be updating and growing your skill set. And if that means maybe learning how to code or learning how to be an electronics technician or something, which are, those are jobs that I think might open up or maybe like a drone operator, you know, to fly packages for Amazon instead of being a truck driver. That's, I mean, brilliantly stated. And I think uh, I have no problem with you uh, encouraging caution because I think I, I don't want this to be all the automation's great and so nothing bad can possibly happen. And, and, and that's exactly what they did in the agricultural revolution. They just adapted, like you said. So I think as you're talking about things working out in the past, I think that's an accurate way to predict the future is by looking at how we interact, we reacted. But also, we have to be careful. Well, you brought up it's nonlinear. You know, there's, there's a lot of other factors to consider. You know, I mean, I, I I remember thinking my science teacher was crazy in seventh grade when they talk about, like, cell phones, right? And how, like, mm -hmm. oh, I'll bet you're going to be able to, you know, and I, oh, no way. Cell phones the size of my watch? No way. You know, uh, <laughs> and now I'm 30 just, years later. right. And now I'm here like <laughs> being like, oh, well, they're going to replace our eyes with robots pretty soon here with, with, you know, some type of technology pretty soon here and replace our nervous systems with it. I mean, we're, we're bordering on cyborg, but it's just something to, it's interesting. It's something to stay on top of. I think from a libertarian standpoint, we need to, to make an economy that opens it up as much as possible. Um, well, Zach, I think it's time for final thoughts. I'll let you give yours, and then I'll give mine, and then we'll uh, we'll call it a day. Yeah, sure, Hody. So, my final thoughts, I'm going to have to go ahead and say that it's coming, no matter what, no matter how you feel about it. Technology is going to displace people. That's a fact. Well, it's not a fact yet, but I think it will be. Um the best thing that you can do individually and hopefully that carries over into what we can do as a society is to be prepared and update your skill set. If you know that you work somewhere that your job might be not be there in 10 years, do whatever you can to help mitigate that and be prepared because it's going to happen. Yeah. I, uh, and, and for my final thought, uh, I think that it's been summarized so well that I'm actually going to go outside of the box and just say, I know that it's Christmas time, Hanukkah time, holiday time, Kwanzaa time, whatever time it is. It's that time of year where you're spending more money and things are getting a little bit tough. And, uh, I know that if you already support we're libertarians to the Patreon. I really appreciate it. It means a lot to us and, uh, helps keep people like me and Zach going, um, having that, having that research and that, that not that wealth of knowledge that we get from it can only happen because of an actual wealth that, uh, that our listeners provide. So if you're already, you know, if you're supporting us right now, I know it might be hard, but we really appreciate it. If you're not supporting us yet, if you get through this holiday season, intact or you know you find that grandma and grandpa gave you a little bit of money man even just ten dollars a month 
gets you access to a lot of stuff that you don't have. It gets you access to um, cats that you don't that you get to be a part of that have the hosts in it that we don't air for the regular v- listeners. So uh, please consider just joining on Patreon, uh, joining the book club, joining discard this discord. Uh, since Zach and I are here, there's actually openings on the research team. Uh, we, we'd love every, we love every perspective that we get uh, for, on this research uh, on the research team. So uh yeah, if you're interested in joining uh, Zach and me and even more people, uh, let us know. And until yep. then, uh, Zach, you have a good one, man. Yeah, you too. And just so you guys know, I quit World of Warcraft to join the Patreon, and that was very hard for me. So, dang, do what you got to do. <laughs> you are we are libertarians. You're a warrior, man. I uh, I appreciate. It's actually a death knight, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> have a good one, man. You too.